Now, the Three Martini Lunch with Greg Columbus and Jim Garrity. And welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Alexander DeSanctis of National Review is in for Jim Garrity today. In fact, she's not only subbing on Three Martini Lunch, she's also written the morning jolt today. So she really is uh, Jim Garrity for all intents and purposes today. I don't know if they've... uh, Done one of those deep fake videos like we saw yesterday on uh, Twitter, Alexander, where Bill Hader was turning into Tom Cruise. But it's good to have you with us again, as always. It's good to be with you. We probably need a video like that. We're also brought to you today by Quip Electric Toothbrushes. Right now, Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash martini, you can get your first refill pack of brushes for free. Alexander, we actually have good, bad, and crazy martinis today, unlike all crazies like we had yesterday. We start with the good martini, but it certainly got some ominous undertones to it, and that's the protest going on in Hong Kong. This all started months ago when the Hong Kong government, which has more and more of a Beijing flavor to it, tried to pass an extradition law, which would allow folks in Hong Kong to be easily extradited to mainland China. Well, millions of people in Hong Kong took to the streets, demanded that that not happen. It did not happen. They're still demanding for the bill to actually be killed rather than just withdrawn. And so the protests continue for that and other reasons, uh, continued in the streets. Now it's continued to the airports. Yesterday, as you pointed out in the morning jolt, they were singing out, do you hear the people sing or can you hear the people sing from Les Mis? And now the police have actually interdicted into the airport to try and get those operations up and running again because the protesters had been uh, grinding things to a halt to, to a large extent. As you point out in the morning jolt today, the protesters have five demands uh, to withdraw the extradition bill for good, uh, to officially retract descriptions of the protests as a riot, to drop charges against protesters, to launch an investigation into police force during the protests and universal suffrage, which would allow Hong Kong voters to directly pick their leaders rather than the current process that includes Beijing's involvement. So we're cheering for people who love freedom here, I assume. And the fact that China seems to be running out of patience here makes this even more imperative that the right thing happen here. Yeah, I mean, it's really heartening to see, although I, you know, it's unfortunate to see that um, police have been doing things like using tear gas, using rubber bullets against the protesters. Obviously, it's a problem for the country that the airport is shut down. They've had to cancel flights now two days in a row because no one can check in or, or get through the airport at all, which is a problem. But I mean, I we obviously sympathize with the demands of these protesters. And I think, um, you know, what started as kind of a quiet sit in on Sunday grew into this mass protest precisely because police were using these tactics against protesters elsewhere. And the things that they want are good things. And so I kind of hope, you know, the U.S. hopefully will say something in defense of them or in support of their goals before uh, China actually does run out of patience and come in there with military force or something horrible like that. No, that's right. And just watching CNN as they were reporting on the police breaking up the protest in the airport. It's fascinating to see, Alexander, because as Americans, I just kind of assume that most people's instinct would be to side with the people yearning for freedom. At the same time, even if you like people, if they get in your way, uh, shutting down traffic or making you miss your flight, you're probably not too happy with them for that. But I just found it interesting that CNN's immediate reaction was, well, these people have to restore order. I mean, they just have no other alternative. So where do you see this heading here, both in terms of American politics and what will actually happen there? You know, it is really astounding to me to see people who aren't siding with the protesters. I mean, obviously they are, like I said, gumming up the works in the airport there. But you'd think we, would, we could all kind of rally around the fact as Americans that being pro-democracy is a good cause, not wanting uh, pro-democratic protesters to be extradited to the mainland to be dealt with by 
a government known for its human rights abuses, probably something we could all support. But um, I think, you know, if we, I haven't seen polling on this, but I think the, the kind of average American would probably sympathize with them more than be concerned about uh, the shutting down of flights. Yeah, you would think so, at least in the short term. Um, tell me if you think this is taking it too far, Alexandra. Uh, China is upset with Hong Kong. Trump is in a trade battle with China, so therefore the media immediately sides with China. And so therefore China seems more sympathetic in the Hong Kong matter. Is that taking it too far? I think for some people that's true. No matter what Trump says, even if he you know, comes out and says something the person who doesn't like him said yesterday, suddenly it's bad because Trump thinks it. Well, uh, hopefully things uh, turn out the way of the people who love freedom in Hong Kong. Uh, just did an interview with uh, John Stone Street of the Colson Center a few weeks ago. And while, yes, the extradition law is what ultimately uh, led to the protests in the streets, there's a huge fear because the people in Hong Kong have full access to the Internet, unlike the people in mainland China. So they know what's happening to the people in China and they know what would happen to them uh, if their rights are continually squelched. And there is a huge uh, fight also over China's repression of the church there. So uh, a lot going on in Hong Kong and a lot at stake. And so uh, kudos to the protesters. Are you surprised at all that we haven't seen much in terms of public statements from President Trump or Mike Pompeo or really anybody on this? You know, a little bit, but given the kind of general disarray, it seems like within the administration on foreign policy, it's not totally clear whether everyone's in agreement on every strategy. It kind of makes sense. They're gathering together behind the scenes and figuring out what their message is going to be first. Hopefully it'll be a good one. Yeah. It also makes me wonder whether they're trying to stay low on that subject so they can get what they want on the trade talks. But not sure that's how it works when you're negotiating with communist China. Well, We'll see how it goes. Um, if you ever do make your flight, uh, make sure you pack what you need. One of the things you'll want if you're still trying to squeeze in a summer vacation this year is that Quip electric toothbrush, because the easiest way to get back into a routine is to start it up before September, especially if anyone in your family is headed back to school. You can simplify the morning and evenings now with a simpler electric toothbrush from Quip. The time sonic vibrations cover the basics of every part of your mouth, and it takes just two minutes, twice a day. The mirror mount puts brushing front and center in your bathroom, so you'll remember to bookend the day using your new brush. And the lightweight, compact design means you can bring it along with you on those last-ditch summer weekend getaways. So enjoy sleeping in, then ease back into the swing of things with a smile. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your gums. There's a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides and to help you clean your whole mouth evenly. Brush heads are delivered automatically on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, a friendly reminder for when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, and they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals with thousands of verified five-star reviews. We've had the privilege of uh, pitching Quip for a long time now. Jim was the original uh, person on the Three Martini Lunch to actually get to try it out. He loves it, consistently calls it the best electric toothbrush or any toothbrush he's ever had. He loves the fact that you get the pulses to tell you when to switch sides and get the the full cleaning that you need. comes with tasty uh, toothpaste as well. There's now the the kids' version that's out there, and that is uh, uh, very popular as well. Quip was nice enough to even throw a, a toothbrush my way. I'd like to tell you how great it is, but my wife instead could uh, probably tell you how great it is because she saw it before it was even out of the box and said, this looks really cool. I want to try it. And so she loves it. Uh, We just uh, were at the beach a few weeks ago. 
Quip just has thought of everything. Uh, the mount on the mirror, uh, the, the refreshed uh, brushes every few months or a few weeks, whenever you need them, whenever they come. Uh, Quip is the way to go. And I know, Alexander, you've had the opportunity to use that as well, and you love it. So Quip is definitely uh, the way to go if you're looking for a new toothbrush or you just need a better one. So that's why we love Quip, and that's why we've taken it on vacation and everywhere else we go. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash martini right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini. Getquip.com slash martini. All right, Alexandra, let's move on now to the really, really important news of the day, and that's that Chris Cuomo got in a dust-up with somebody in New York City because they called him Fredo. Here is the a little bit of the audio. Most of it is riddled with F-bombs, so we can't use it, but uh, Chris Cuomo not very happy, and here's a, a bit of his response to the person who initially accosted him. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much- Fredo was from the Godfather. He was that weak brother. And they use it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Are you Italian? It's an insult to your people. It's an insult to your people. It's like the N-word for us. And that went on for about two minutes. Uh, at, at one point, uh, Cuomo threatened to throw the guy down the stairs. So on and on it goes. Of course, President Trump couldn't lay off of this. He says, I thought Chris was Fredo also. The truth hurts. Totally lost it. Low rating CNN. And then he went on to talk about Chris Cuomo in the context of the gun debate. Would Chris Cuomo be given a red flag for his recent rant? Filthy language and a total loss of control. He shouldn't be allowed to have any weapon. He's nuts. For his part, Cuomo has apologized uh, here late on Tuesday morning. He says, appreciate all the support, which also came from Sean Hannity, of all people, by the way. But he says, the truth is, I should be better than the guys baiting me. This happens all the time these days, often in front of my family. But there is a lesson. No need to add to the ugliness. I should be better than what I oppose. So, Alexandra, in our email today, I I called this kind of a microcosm of our current politics. The insult flies. Cuomo completely flies off the handle. Everybody looks worse because of it. Yeah, it's really frustrating. And maybe this will be an unpopular take, but I do feel a little bit of sympathy for Cuomo. You know, the guy was accosted in public by somebody, you know, probably a Trump supporter or whatever, a a guy who doesn't like him because he's a liberal. Um, And then he has to either sit there and take it, try to ignore the guy or respond. And obviously I I don't condone the way that he responded. It was a little much. He's totally wrong, by the way, about it. You know, that Fredo being like the N word for Italians. That's not true at all. Nobody thinks that. Uh, And being an Italian American myself, I know I have, have it on good authority that that's not the case. Uh, But at the same time, I do feel a little bit bad for him. And I hate this trend of, people just accosting public figures um, whenever they happen to be out with their family just because they can. And then the, the famous person looks stupid if they respond with anything other than you know just trying to walk away. Is this just going to continue indefinitely? I mean, I think so. And I think we have even now people on both sides of the aisle sort of encouraging oftentimes people who agree with them politically to harass people in public. And I see this, you know, more on the left than on the right, but this idea that, you know, Mitch McConnell shouldn't be able to leave his home without being harassed because he's so bad. Like that's, I think that's a growing problem, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now. And, uh, Alexander, this is based on a story you just wrote for National Review Online, and it deals with Lawrence Tribe, the Harvard Law School professor. I'm not sure if he's still teaching, but uh, he taught there for many years if he has retired now. And he's decided to make the claim that being a white supremacist and being pro-life go hand in hand. Here's the tweet you mainly responded to. On August 11th, he tweeted, white supremacists oppose abortion because they fear it'll reduce the number of white infants. 
and thus contribute to what they fear as non-white replacement. Never underestimate the way these issues and agendas are linked. This turns intersectionality on its head. And Alexander, you spent a lot of time in this article pointing out that he's pretty much wrong on every phrase of that tweet because white supremacists actually are most often pro-abortion. Yeah, it's really frustrating. You know, the guy very frequently uh, twists the facts on abortion because he clearly is a you know huge supporter of abortion rights and is willing to do or say whatever he's got to say uh, to legitimize that. And the latest effort here is to portray pro-life people as somehow being in league with white supremacists. And this is not unique to tribe. This is something that um, sort of more radical abortion supporters try to say a lot of the time. And it's frustrating not only because it's you know clearly untrue, but because of the opposite is the case. White supremacists are very obviously very openly pro-abortion because of the fact that minority women tend to disproportionately have abortions. And so they see it as something that eliminates, you know, what they would call undesirable people um, in our country and actually helps with what they would consider the non-white replacement issue. Um, so the, the opposite is true. They support abortion. And on top of that, there's a well-documented history of, you know, sort of a eugenic mindset among people who support abortion and, and birth control because they think, again, it'll help eliminate people that they don't want to see in society. So to completely, you know, whitewash that and then try to flip the narrative on its head to make pro-lifers look bad is totally dishonest. And then he had another tweet that you also refer to in your story. He says, pro-life, this is actually from back in May of this year, pro-life is a disgusting misnomer for the movement to turn the clock back to the pre-Roe days. The movement is anti-woman and often pro-death, too. So, Alexander, did you know you were pro-death till he tweeted that? <laughs> I honestly just don't know what this guy is talking about. Like, it's one thing to look at sort of the, the questions at stake in abortion and say women ought to have the right to bodily autonomy, even if that means she can you know, get rid of this other human being. Obviously, I disagree with that, but that's one argument. It's a whole other argument, just a totally you know, polemical nonsense, honestly, to say that because you support the right to life of every human being, you're therefore pro-death. Like, it doesn't even make sense. The guy's not even trying. <laughs> so where do we stand now? It's uh, been a long summer with a lot of uh, heated debate on a number of things. Earlier this year, we had a whole blizzard of uh, abortion debates, both in uh, pro-life-leaning states and pro-choice-leaning states. You had the the New York law that uh, basically legalizes abortion up to the moment of birth. You had the Ralph Northam fiasco. You had other states following New York's lead for the most part. And then you had a lot of heartbeat bills and even uh, Alabama saying only life of the mother uh, should be the only restriction. And at this point, Tennessee, I just read, is uh, perhaps debating uh, whether to ban abortion altogether. So where is the momentum on this as we head into the, the heat of the 2020 campaign? You know, I think the issue has really quieted down a lot lately. There haven't been any laws passed in states. And so no one's really paying much attention to it. I think that's helped out by the fact that in the, the Democratic debate so far, moderators have been very obviously um, disinclined to ask about the issue. All the Democrats seem to agree on it from all I, from what I can tell. They all think that abortion should be legal for any reason up to the moment of birth, uh, that many of them will not support a born alive bill that would protect infants born alive after a botched abortion. So that's kind of where they stand and no one wants to talk about it. So I think until we get to the general election, uh, hopefully when the Trump campaign will be making it an issue and you know Republican Senate candidates are making it an issue, uh, I think it probably will be out of the news for a little while now. Well, we'll certainly be watching, and I know you'll be on top of it when it happens. We look forward to the next time we can talk about it, too. Alexander, thanks for your time. You're welcome, Greg. Great to be with you. Thank you. Alexander DeSanctis of National Review and for Jim Garrity today. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us, and tune in again Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.